Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will discover what the Apostle Paul spoke to the church in Rome about the calling of the Gentiles to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy in their Messiah. Now, the Apostle Paul had much to say to the Gentiles about the relationship with the Jewish people, even warning them not to boast or become arrogant against them. And Paul made these critical points in his message to the church in Rome, specifically chapters 9 through 11. So I'm going to paraphrase and emphasize what Paul wrote. Beginning in chapter 9, Paul said that all the promises of God belong to Israel. These include the adoption of sons of God, the manifest glory of God, which we call the Shekinah or Shekinah, all of the covenants, including the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic, and the Aaronic covenants, the giving of the law of Moses and its foundation for Christianity, the priestly and kingly service of God, and the promise of resurrection and eternal life in Christ Jesus. All these were promised to the Jewish people through Christ, who Paul referred to as his countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Now he qualified that not all the children of Abraham are truly Israel, nor are they all children of God just because of their natural lineage. Only those born again of the Spirit of God are considered the children of God and the children of the promise in Christ. The Gentiles, who were not part of the covenants made with Israel, are now part of the covenants and have attained the righteousness of God and the righteousness of faith in Christ. In Romans chapter 10, Paul goes on to say that unsaved Israel remains ignorant of God's righteousness, which was his sacrifice on the cross, and have sought to establish their own righteousness through their own human efforts under the law of Moses, and have not submitted to the righteousness of God which is their acceptance by faith that Christ died on the cross for their sins. Therefore, God makes no distinction in terms of our salvation between Jew and Gentile, for He is the same Lord and Savior over all who call upon His name. And lastly, in Romans chapter 11, Paul asks this rhetorical question. Has Israel stumbled that they should permanently fall? Absolutely not, he says. But rather, through their stumbling, God has given to the Gentiles the message of salvation and the calling and responsibility to share the gospel with the whole earth, especially the Jewish people, to provoke them to jealousy. And if Israel's stumbling means spiritual riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their salvation usher in the return of Christ and the Messianic kingdom? He goes on to say that some of the Jewish people were cut away from Israel. And the Gentiles, being called a wild olive tree, were grafted in amongst Israel, contrary to nature, and now with Israel can share in the spiritual riches of the foundation of Israel. These include sharing in all their covenant promises, blessings, and inheritances. Therefore, Paul warns the Gentiles not to think of yourself more highly than them or speak prideful words against them. But remember that you do not support the root, but the root, which is the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The root supports you. Because of Israel's unbelief, some of the branches have been broken off. But he says, You must stand humbly in your simple faith and do not be proud, but fear God. 
For if God did not spare the Jewish people, he might not spare you either. Paul counsels the Gentiles, saying to them, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own human intellect, that temporary blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness, the full number of the Gentiles, has come into the kingdom of God. And so all the natural remnant of Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer who is Christ will come out of Zion, which is the place of his holy habitation, which is the church. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my eternal, unbreakable covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, Israel's unique chosen status, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, the patriarchs. For the gifts of the Spirit and the calling of God to be carriers of the oracles of God and the gospel message of salvation to the ends of the earth and to be a blessing to every nation and fill the whole earth with the fruit of the Spirit are irrevocable. Even in this condensed and paraphrased reading of Romans, there is a considerable amount of information that Paul shares with the church in Rome. And its content is clear. The children of Israel are the rightful heirs all of God's covenant blessings and promises, not by any works of the flesh or the fulfillment of the Mosaic law, but only through their faith in Christ Jesus. God's promises to Israel are irrevocable, meaning they are still in effect to this day and remain in effect for eternity. However, because of Israel's rejection of both her Messiah and her calling to bring God's message of salvation to the nations, the Lord has turned for a season to the Gentiles. He has given them to you the mantle and the responsibility for completing the Great Commission, and not to the exclusion of Israel, but fully to their inclusion, specifically that God's remnant of Jewish believers would join their Gentile brothers as one new man in Christ, and we would co-labor together to provoke Israel to jealousy. This provocation would not only result in bringing the full number of Gentiles into the kingdom, but would also bring resurrection life to the church and the earth itself, thereby ushering in the return of the Lord and the fulfillment of the millennial kingdom. As Yeshua declared in Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Yeshua told his disciples that he could do nothing of himself, but whatever he saw his father doing, he did in like manner. Our Heavenly Father, therefore, did not give verbal instructions to Yeshua because Yeshua always responded from the deepest inner will of God Himself, His Spirit. In comparison, should our mouth instruct the hand to move? No, our hands and feet move by the will of man. So therefore, if the church is called to be one in Christ and function as one body, then how much more should the parts of the body conform and move to the will of God without the Lord having to dictate what we ought to do. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The body of Christ should move per the will of God, every part obediently and faithfully responding to his will and desires. And just so that we would have a roadmap for the journey, God wrote his instructions for us in the Bible and gave us a deposit of the Holy Spirit to remind us of all the things that Yeshua spoke. One instruction, as we are reminded in Matthew chapter 7, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And what is the will of God? Well, he's not willing that any should perish. And most certainly that includes the Jewish people. So I'm not going to dive into the history of the church regarding how the nations have treated the Jewish people. This has been studied extensively by other scholars and the history is not good. But rather, I want to focus on where God is taking us in the future because God's promises have yet to be fulfilled for both the church and Israel. Paul said again in Romans 11, Through their fall to provoke them, Israel, to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So the question remains for us, has the church in its history ever provoked the Jewish people to jealousy? Some scholars say this happened in the first century. I don't see any lasting evidence of that, and since much of the early church was under Jewish leadership, I would argue it has not happened. Most church theology and tradition these days points to a separation of the church at Rome from the Jewish people and a distancing from its biblical foundation. This separation predates the formation of the Roman Catholic Church in 325 AD, as we have previously learned. Paul's writings to the church at Rome and his reference to the Christian community who lived there was to the Gentiles. The word Gentile translates as nation or family, and specifically, Paul was referring to those Gentiles who had now accepted Christ, hence his reference to the church at Rome. Paul was not speaking to the heathen in Rome. He was speaking to our brothers and sisters in Christ. He was speaking to Christians. We can therefore conclude that in the church today, there are both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So this raises another interesting question. Are the Gentiles, who are grafted into Israel through Christ, now Jews or Jewish? No. Paul was quite clear in making a distinction between the natural branches of Abraham, the Jewish people, whom he also called Israelites and of the circumcision, and those grafted into Israel whom he called Gentiles. So while we are now one people of God and one new man in Christ, and there is no distinction between Jew and Greek in terms of our salvation, there is still a natural distinction in God's kingdom of those who are called his firstborn. God has exclusively reserved this term for Israel, where it says in Exodus chapter 4, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So therefore, Paul said in Romans chapter 2, Glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Yes, we are all sons and daughters of God through Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. But we are also sons of Adam. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, As we have borne the image of the man of dust, who is Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, who is Christ. So why do we still bear the image of the natural man, Adam? Because God honors what he created. And while he is making all things new and making us a new creation in Christ, he is also building upon a natural foundation that he established with Abraham. Therefore, Paul warned the Gentiles again in Romans 11, saying, Do not boast against the natural branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root, the patriarch, supports you. The Jewish people are called the natural branches of Abraham, and the Gentiles who are in Christ are called the spiritual seed of Abraham. And while the early church was comprised of mostly Jewish Christians, today the global church is comprised of mainly Gentile Christians. And it is they who are called to provoke unsaved Israel to jealousy. 
It's difficult for me to see how this provocation will happen, given the sharp division within the church surrounding Israel. But I do believe that God's word will not return to him void. So therefore, as the Lord fulfills his prophetic word to Israel, we will see these things unfolding in the earth. The Gentile church at some point in time will provoke Israel to jealousy. And many Jewish people will return to the Lord, and the church and the saved remnant of Israel will become united as one people of God and one new man in Christ, Yeshua. And for this reason, the book of Romans, and especially chapters 9 through 11, are so critically important for the church to understand and embrace. God's will and plans will be fulfilled, and those who walk in the Spirit will experience God's love for the Jewish people. The question is whether we will allow God to conform our will to His, or will we continue to hold on to a lie perpetuated by Satan that has divided the church and Israel? There is a decision to be made, and the wrong choice could lead to separation from God. Hence Paul's warnings again in Romans 11, For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. On the other hand, the right choice will lead us to the fulfillment of God's promises for both Israel and the church. And so I pray, therefore, the right path for our lives so that we, Jew and Gentile, might stand together before the throne of God and sing this new song to our Lord and Savior from Revelation chapter 5. O oh Lord, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.